0: Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
1: Hello, uh, good afternoon. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Liberty Laurie. We are joining you here today for Restore Freedom Weekly. This is already season two. If you can believe it or not, we completed 50 episodes last year. So this is season two, and we're already on episode four this year, which is mind-blowing to me, but uh I'm sure... Oops, my screen got extremely large. Sorry, guys. I'm doing a screen share and it uh, misbehaved and uh, I have to reshrink it here. So, okay. There we go. I think that's okay now. All right. So, uh, like I said, this is Restore Freedom Weekly. Thank you so much. Again, I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Liberty Laurie joining us here today. And um, let's see. Feel my... Options are not showing on the screen today. Lovely technology issues. Um, All right. So um, today's topic, well, let me put it this way. Last week's topic was our constitutional compromises, or excuse me, our legislative compromises constitutional. And uh, in the course of having that discussion with you last week, I realized there's maybe two main ways that we needed to break it down and really talk about it and really understand it. Um, And so today's focus is to pick up that same topic, but um, to cover uh, how more whether there's more government power in times of emergencies. Um, So with that being said, um, again, this is legislative compromises for more government power. Now, sometimes it's in times of emergency, sometimes it's not. Uh, We're going to talk about some examples today. Um, The easiest examples are the ones where we talk about um, things that have been happening in the last three years, because uh, those are some of the most egregious and most recent, uh, most publicized issues uh, that have, of course, been happening all across the globe in, in every country. And so... Um, Those are going to be some of the easiest ones for us to talk about. But like I said, last week, we started that in-depth discussion on legislative compromises on matters concerning our God-given liberties, focus being on our freedom. This week, we continue this important discussion with a focus on legislative compromises concerning governmental power, even in times of emergency. So uh, like I mentioned last week, bills are being introduced all across the country and state legislatures. A lot of state legislatures are already in session. Some that are not in session, like Florida, uh, which doesn't go into session for a little over a month yet, already has bills that have been introduced. In fact, Even though it's not on my radar or wasn't on my radar to talk about today, I'm going to end up talking about one of these very bills that was just filed yesterday in the Florida House of Representatives. Um, And those of you who watched last week uh, realized that we were talking about companion bills that have been filed in the Florida um, Senate and House of Representatives, um, as well as we took a look at some bills that um, have been recent in Michigan and talked about some potential issues, uh, some things that the, uh, the new uh, party in power in Michigan in the legislature has talked about trying to push through this legislative session as well. So um, anyway, with this in mind, that's why we're talking about the idea of compromise. Whether you have a Republican-led legislature like Michigan did until just this legislative session um, or Florida does now or you have a Democrat-led legislature like Michigan does now, and several others, unfortunately, do as well, um, you come up with this idea of compromise. And well, is it, is, is it better for us to um, you know, be willing to compromise and get a little bit of our freedoms back or secured rather than to keep fighting to get them all back? Um, so again, compromise is often seen as the cornerstone in any free society. But what about those highly controversial issues? And uh, I just realized, normally at this time is when I send Lori into the background abyss, so that I can make uh, our faces a little bit bigger, that appear so those of you who um, have any kind of hearing disabilities or lip read like I do, that you're able to see my face as much as I don't like it to be this way, that you'll see my face a little bit better. <laughs> So um, Lori, as always, um, I'm sure you'll do a phenomenal job of checking in on the chat on the various platforms and letting us know if uh, anybody is chatting on Rumble since that doesn't pull through. Um, So with that, uh, we will see you in a little bit later, Lori. All right. So um, and just a reminder to those of you who are tuning in today. Um, it, the, this platform doesn't tell me who the, uh, which platforms people are viewing on. It just tells me that there are viewers there. So hello to all of you who are watching, uh, watching us live now. And I guess, hello to all of you who will be joining us live, uh, or joining us after it is live and it's just a recording, but, uh, keep in mind that if you are watching us live and you want to participate, we'd love to hear from you. Um, the best ways to get us are to comment in the live stream on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Twitch. Unfortunately, DLive and Rumble uh don't play nice with the software programming that they require us to use. Uh but uh at any rate, Laurie will do her best to keep up on those comments that might be coming through on Rumble. So, um all won't be necessarily lost if you just want to stick with Rumble, but at any rate. Um so, um, this is, it's really important stuff that we're talking about because so many things, whether we're talking about constitutional carry issues, whether we're talking about um, um, medical freedom issues, whether we're talking about Um, you you know, right to life bills or governmental accountability. There's always, it doesn't matter the topic. There's always the concept of give and take, of compromise. And I say this coming from the position of having been a mediator before I was even an attorney and having successfully uh, mediated thousands of cases in um, different states in this country and on a variety of issues. And I, so I'm coming from the perspective of, although I can be a fierce advocate and, you know, um, a fighter in the courtroom when I need to be, I also come from the perspective that, you know, there are times where we just need to work together and we need to compromise. We need to find a solution, a middle ground that will help us get to uh, a better place for both parties. Is that always the case though especially when it comes to certain topics well last week we talked about how those you know when it comes to our god-given liberties no there's no compromise on those well what about powers okay so um again that's the focus for this week um so the question every tuesday uh at or before 10 a.m on um twitter telegram true social linkedin and youtube you are able to Um, answer the true or false question of the week. And this question, of course, was when there's an unknown threat, such as what COVID-19 was at the beginning of 2020 for the United States, when there's an unknown threat, the government must be given additional powers to address the emergency. Um, And so that's true or false. And that question is still up. So Please feel free to jump over, like I said, to Twitter, Telegram, Truth Social, YouTube, or LinkedIn and answer true or false to that question right now. The answer will be posted at 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, the, the challenging one is um, Truth Social doesn't always play nice, and sometimes um, our own website, WordPress, doesn't play nice, but I guarantee you that the YouTube version is scheduled to answer you right at 10 o'clock on the dot. So um, anyway, with that being said, I wanted to say hello to Donald, who is joining us on YouTube, and Donald says, our state constitutions guarantee our freedoms, inalienable, it reads. Um, In fact, just for a moment, I'm going to show that on here. So um, exactly. That is, it's talking about our rights that are guaranteed, not given to us, but guaranteed to us by our constitutions. So um, all right. So I wanted to focus on uh, some, um, you know, legislation that was created out of compromise. Okay, so what about? And sorry, I was expecting to put much more on this slide, and so the text is smaller than I uh, anticipated a, on it being. But at any rate, let's look at the Michigan legislature as an example to start with. So, in the Michigan legislature, you have the 1976 Emergency Management Act and the 1945 Emergency Powers of Governor Act, and those. Uh, Together are the two statutes that Governor Whitmer was citing in all of her executive orders uh, throughout um, 2020. And, uh, of course, the 1945 Emergency Powers of Governor Act, or EPGA, was that was the statute that the Michigan Supreme Court declared unconstitutional after I had the great honor of arguing that it was unconstitutional in the Michigan Supreme Court in 2020. But those both of those uh, purport to give the governor power to issue executive orders to handle emergencies, specifically to handle emergencies. Um, so when, of course, the uh, Michigan Supreme Court in on uh, October 2nd, 2020 said, no more, uh, you can't use, uh, you violated the 1976 law and the 1945 law is just unconstitutional, um, then what did the governor do? Well, she did exactly what I told people she was going to do. i had been warning people since April of 2020 about this. And I certainly uh, warned the Michigan Supreme Court in my briefings uh, that she was going to just jump over to the Public Health Code, also enacted in 1976, and start using the the power of the Department of Health and Human Services that works under her to issue emergency orders uh, to handle public health emergencies. OK, and and that whole concept is, you know, depending on which one we're talking about there, each one arose out of uh, some huge catastrophe or emergency that they felt like, oh, the government needs to be better equipped to handle these and get people, uh, you know, to protect people, to protect the public, keep everyone safe and provide regulations on how to handle things. Okay. So what about other states? Let's look at Florida's statute 381.00315. That is also um, a statute that does very similar things um, to, well, I'm going to jump into these. Okay. So the public health code in Michigan that we just talked about is item number two there. Um, The two main statutes would be MCL 333.2253 and 333.8. 2453, and those two are virtually identical, um, but 2253 focuses on the State Department of Health and Human Services and their powers, and uh, 2453 focuses on the local health departments and their powers to do things. Um, Number one, the, the statute literally says that the health department through these emergency orders can prohibit the gathering of people for any purpose don't worry, we're going to come back to this. Um, Number two, that they are to ensure the continuation of essential public health services. And number three, that they can use these public health orders to enforce, currently on the books, health laws. Um, All right, now when these EOs have been, uh, when they were being issued, you can see here, if you can see it at all, sorry, it's um, I know there's a lot of words on there, might not be able to see it, but if you're watching this on a computer, you should be able to see it fine. And this slide, all these slides will actually be available to you on Thursday when we do our Constitution Segment Recap video. And in the description of that video, you'll be able to get the link to this slideshow. So all of this will be available and you can view it uh, at your leisure. But this is an example of one of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, EOs, that the Director of Health and Human Services, who works under Governor Whitmer, uh, issued in October after the Supreme Court said that the executive orders issued under the other statute were null and void. So what did he do? He goes and takes the content in basically its entirety from the original EOs the governor issued and reprinted them under this... (laughs) Uh, public health code, and um, you can see here things like, well, a violation of this order, they're saying, is a misdemeanor uh, that you can get up to six months imprisonment and have a fine. You can also have civil penalties, and uh, including $1,000 for each violation or day that a violation continues. Of course, we had seen some big cases making it up to different appellate levels, Uh, We had Marlena's Bistro, we have um, uh, the Iron Pig restaurant, and some other uh, wildly uh, popular uh, cases that were talking about these very civil fines and other things where, you know, restaurant owners kept their businesses open anyway in violation of these orders. Um, At any rate, um, so that is... (laughs) that is uh their mechanism of enforcing it so it's not just hey here's an executive order or an emergency order but they're saying it's a crime that you can go to jail if you don't follow these orders now those of you in florida um by and large were a lot luckier than those of us who were in michigan during this time because you didn't have the egregious level of tyrannical over Overreach by the government in in these regards. Um, something I want to point out to you before we go into the discussion is if you're thinking, well, all these things have been changed, or I know there's been bills and, you know, a lot of stuff has, is has, you know, everything's been changed. It's different now. Well, in some respects, you're right. So if you want to look at, for example, Michigan statute 333.2253, it is now amended as of December, like last month, December so is it great does it say the governor or the uh, the health department can no longer do this that they can no longer issue these orders that they can no longer again let's go back to what what it says they could do uh that d- did the legislature which was republican led until that point did they make sure that in changing this law that it no longer tries to say uh that the MDHHS can prohibit the gathering of people for any purpose. I mean, come on, that is blatantly unconstitutional. Um, at any rate, let's see, what did they do? Oh no, they left all the bad parts in, but they account for what they call Linda. Linda, according to the statute, means loved individuals needed need dedication dedicated attention. I can't even talk today. Loved individuals need dedicated attention. So what they're trying to do is that after 30 days of having one of these EOs in place by MDHHS, then you might have some uh, additional protections, you know, for people in nursing homes or things, uh, places of that nature, uh, to make sure that you know loved ones are able to have access to them and provide care for them, uh, because in Michigan as well as in other states the um, the governor put in COVID positive patients into the nursing homes but then prohibited any family members or concerned loved ones from seeing anyone who was already a resident in the nursing homes and basically put them on lockdown. Nobody could get out, nobody could come in. It was a bad situation and unfortunately it led to a lot of people dying. Who was this introduced by obviously must have been a democrat who loves big government and doesn't understand the constitution uh whose party platform says a lot of questionable things no it was introduced by someone i've met someone from the midland area uh senator jim stomas a republican republican yep and you might think well okay so this one lone wolf republican doesn't understand the constitution and uh, it, you know, introduced this bill, but it's not like most of the people supported it, right? Well, look, in the Senate, just last month, right? This bill was literally put into place a month ago. In the Senate, 33 people voted yes, zero voted no, five were excused, zero were not voting. So of all the people that voted 100% of state senators in Michigan voted for this crap. What about the state house in Michigan on this bill? Again, just last month, 93 voted yes on this bill. Only four, which I will say, uh, Steve Karras was one of them. I can't remember who the other three are off the top of my head, but he was one of them. And uh, he was someone that I've I've known at least tangentially known of for um, several years now uh, but he was a new a new state rep anyway um only four voted no zero being excused and then 12 not even voting. what kind of chicken are you you're not excused you're not in the hospital or whatever right you are not excused you're just not voting Man up man or woman, man up, do your job. Your job is to participate in government in Michigan. They make well over a hundred thousand dollars when you add all of their stipends and things on top of the last I checked, it was like $80,000 salary. Yeah. For a state rep who's supposed to be uh, working in their district doing whatever other thing they normally would do. Yeah. So yeah. 12 of you just decided to chicken out and not take a stand either way. That's probably the worst of all, I would say. Um, So it was such a, obviously though, I must be misunderstanding this bill, right? I mean, a Republican introduced it and um, look at how many people, I mean, 100% of people voting in the Senate voted for it. And the vast majority of people voting in the house voted for it so clearly that's such a it's there's really a good bill right this compromise must have been really good um so much so that you know governor whitmer who hates everything freedom obviously wouldn't sign something like this right no i think it hit her desk december 29th and she signed it officially 2 days later uh or was it on the 30th no 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 excuse me i think it hit her desk on the 27th she signed it on the 29th and by the 31st the secretary of state already had processed it and pushed it through and it's yep it's got a, it's got a um an act number it's official in the state of Michigan so and this is like i said we're talking a month ago this is very recent so in 3 years of dealing with all this bs and the tyranny that's what the republican led legislature could do that's all they had the audacity or the guts or the courage to do never mind that they all took an oath to the constitution and um let's go back to what the law says there that they were amending this law still says the michigan health department can prohibit the gathering of people for any purpose and aside from all of that when you look at all the things that these orders were saying uh, stay at home orders and shutting down businesses and saying certain businesses could be open, but not, and you can't have sports. You have to wear a mask. You have to vaccine all these other things. It goes beyond far beyond prohibiting the gathering of people. Well, Le- legislatures, legislators, Republican and Democrat alike joined singing Kumbaya Sayonara freedom just last month. So what about these COVID-19 executive orders? Well, they're inherently unconstitutional. This page talks about the Michigan State Constitution just to give you a frame of reference. Um, Your own state constitution would have similar mechanisms or requirements for how you enact a, a bill into law. So when you have the executive branch making laws you have a separation of powers issue you also have various due process issues for example in michigan um you have uh legislation has to be enacted by bill according to the state constitution uh you can't amend a law or bridge it in any way without <clears throat> fully reprinting the entire text of that law you must wait 90 days for uh the the law to become effective unless it is passed by a supermajority in the House and Senate. The bills have to begin with wording called the people of the state of Michigan enact. uh, No law shall embrace more than one subject. We all know these EOs covered a multitude of subjects in any given time. There wasn't an EO that only covered one single subject at any given time you have property deprivation, you have jail time due process was literally thrown out the window with every single one of these executive orders, let alone all of them. And the Republicans said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can keep doing this. This is totally fine with me. Um, By the way, hello to this is a public service on um, YouTube. And let's see here. Did I miss any other comments? Okay, looks like Lori's got it covered. Uh, These executive orders, impaired contracts, violated our rights to equal protection, violated the right to peaceful assembly, consultation, instructing our representatives, petitioning our government for redress of grievances, freedom of worship, freedom against unreasonable searches and seizures, uh, violating the concept of our unenumerated rights and the fact that power is inherent in the people. It's a mess. And they left all of that in. What about another one? I'm just giving you one other example from the state of Michigan. Again, a lot of other states have these on the books. If you live in another state, don't think that your state, even if it's maybe known as being a freedom state, such as Florida, don't assume that it actually is that free. Look at what is actually on the books and be concerned just because you might have a governor or a legislature or somebody else in power right now that doesn't choose to use the tools in their disposal if they're on the books then you're just one election away from someone doing something with those okay so again this is michigan Michigan statute 333.2241. It's called inspection or investigation to assure compliance. No, I'm not talking about the Gestapo. This is talking about United States, specifically Michigan law enforcement. It says to assure the compliance with laws enforced by the department, the department may inspect, investigate or authorize an inspection or investigation to be made of any matter, thing, premises, place, person, record, vehicle, incident, or event. Wow. Because you guys can't read the Fourth Amendment? Okay. What about Florida? I mentioned a few slides ago about a Florida example right there's a lot of bad ones down here in florida don't get me wrong but this one i think kind of makes it a little easier to see what some of the issues really are on on the books here even though across the country florida was seen as the freedom state right the beaches were open tourism industry was alive and well when the rest of the state or when the rest of the country uh was shut down well what kind of laws do they have in the books did they then and do they still now Here in Florida, look at 381.00315. Public health advisories, public health emergencies, isolation and quarantines. The state health officer is responsible for declaring public health emergencies, issuing public health advisories, so far that's okay, or ordering isolation and quarantines. Eek, what? Look at number four within the statute they can order an individual to be examined, tested, treated, isolated, or quarantined for what they consider communicable diseases that have significant morbidity or mortality and present a severe danger to public health, like COVID. That's what their claim is. And by the way, There's an almost verbatim statute on the books in Michigan still to this day in the public health code. Just look in chapter 333. Um, At any rate, um, individuals who are unable or unwilling to be examined, tested, or treated for reasons of health, religion, or conscience may be subjected to isolation or quarantine. Okay, so that doesn't sound as bad, right? I mean, it's better than saying it's all in and there's no exemptions. Mm, or is it? It continues. Examination, testing or treatment may be performed by any qualified person authorized by the state health officer. Who's qualified? Who's the state health officer declaring authorized? If the individual poses a danger to the public health, the state o- health officer may subject the individual to isolation or quarantine. If there is no practical method to isolate or quarantine the individual. Let's say, for example, it's me and I live in a beach community and I'm like, you're telling me I gotta stay in my house for two weeks? Right, no, I'm allowed to, all the vitamin D I can get, I'm allowed to have that grounded feeling by walking with my bare feet on the beach or going in the ocean, like you're not gonna stop me, but you think you are, okay? If I said that, then this state law says the health officer may use any means necessary to treat the individual. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It doesn't say anywhere in here about the fact that they've been hundred percent proven to have something that's going to kill somebody. Uh uh It just says for communicable diseases. It doesn't say, in fact, if you're, examining or testing them that means it's not clear whether somebody has that you could just think they do i have a common cold right now we're mostly getting over it well they're all over it of course moms are the last but if i walked outside on the street and some public health officer just decided you know what that's one of the you know whatever, that symptom right there is one of the symptoms of of COVID and COVID kills people, then they could use this statute. And if I said, you're not going to just keep me at home, then they could say, oh, well, we're just going to forcefully treat you by any means necessary. Wow. Wow. I'm going to take a second and uh, check in with our um, people commenting on social media. Uh, Let's see. Uh, We do have somebody who says uh, that she doesn't trust anything with the government anymore. And she honestly doesn't even know if there's a point in voting. And I would say don't let them win. Is voting corrupt? Yes. Are they doing a lot with it that undermines the integrity of the elections? Yes. But should you stop voting? No. You shouldn't stop. Make sure your vote counts. Make sure you are there at the polls every election. Uh, if you're in Michigan, well, I think they just recently changed the ones. But anyway, there was there's always been the May elections, the August elections, the November elections. Make sure you show up to every general and every primary election and you cast your ballot. Even if it's just local races on your ticket or it's millages, make sure you're informed and voting at every election don't let them win that's 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 making it too easy on them we're not going to go down without a fight all right so let's see here um okay so wanted to make sure there's nothing else question wise or whatever i needed to address um so and this says that any order of the state health officer given to effectuate this paragraph Is immediately enforceable by law enforcement yeah so they're gonna send a cop after you to lock you up to test you and treat you isolate you quarantine you examine you isn't that fabulous yes that's here in Florida even though Michigan and a lot of other states have similar stupid unconstitutional laws on the books right now so um, we talked about some open carry and concealed carry ideas when it ter- in terms of thinking about the freedom, uh, the ability to carry um, uh, constitutional carry and all that when we had my good friend 2AEDU on our show last week, um, but I'm going to skip over that for right now. So what about, in terms of power, what about emergency? Is that word in the Constitution? If you read the entirety of the US Constitution, you'll find it big fat zero, zero times in the Constitution. The word emergency is not there. It doesn't say, well, you have these limitations on your power, uh, or these are the only powers we're giving you, unless there's an emergency and we'll give you a whole bunch more. Okay, so the Michigan Constitution, how many times does it say the word emergency? Well, it's only mentioned in three parts. The first part is talking about the continuity of government in times of emergency to make sure that if there's a war or something of that nature and you have people serving uh, in a war and they're also state reps or something that there's a succession that can happen. You can get people in and and continuing government functions and it doesn't just grind to a a halt uh, when you're combating essentially a foreign enemy or something of that nature. Um, and then there's also two other sections where it's talking about uh, voter voter approval for increased taxes and emergency funding. Um, it has nothing to do with giving extra power in times of emergency. Uh, looking at the Florida Constitution, Florida's Constitution is a lot worse than Michigan. Just just telling you guys, if you're if you think Florida's a freedom state, it or if you live here. I really beg you, if you haven't already, if you haven't done so recently, read the entire state constitution cover to cover, because you will be shocked at the crap that's in here. So um, they have the word emergency in terms of uh, changing the capital in a grave emergency. So you can move it out of Tallahassee if you need to. Um, Section six of article two talks about an enemy attack. Uh, There's a section on state budgeting those aren't really as big of a concern. They're not really talking about you know in, enlarging powers just based on an emergency. But look at all the rest of these. I mean, this is a continuation in the Florida state constitution. The word emergency appears even more. It talks about emergency hospitalizations. There is a reference in article five, section 20 that references state laws regarding emergency hospitalizations and the ordering The ordering of emergency hospitalizations say what I think that talks about those statutes that we um, uh, we just talked about a minute ago. Uh, There's also provisions talking about the timing of elections or state budgeting, homestead exemption definitions, tax revenues, survivor benefits for first responders. Those are the other times that the word emergency is used. The the main concern, though, is um, well, let's see which one. Um, article two, section six, there's a there's a bit of concern that it could be taken out of context and, and applied inappropriately. Uh, but article five, section 20, referencing those emergency hospitalizations is essentially cementing, hey guys, here in Florida, we're gonna throw out the, the US Constitution and say that you can have these emergency hospitalizations ordered upon you. Okay, so, oh, I did put in section six. Okay, I was thinking I hadn't. So, uh, unfortunately, the way that it copied it, it, it's much smaller. But um, anyway, enemy attack. In periods of emergency, this is the Florida State Constitution. In periods of emergency resulting from enemy attack, the legislature shall have the power to provide for prompt and temporary succession to the powers and duties of all public officers, the incumbents of which may become unavailable to execute the functions of their offices so basically again if you're if you're talking about an enemy attack and you have people who are serving in the armed forces and they're also in the house uh, of representatives or senate here in the state of florida same thing like with michigan there's a continuation of government that can happen that there's ways that they can modify the normal procedures just so that you have somebody that can step up in their place before you can have a normal election Um, And it says, and to adopt such other measures as may be necessary and appropriate to ensure the continuity of government operations during the emergency. It continues by saying, in exercising these powers, the legislature may depart from other requirements of this constitution, but only to the extent necessary to meet the emergency. Now, it's specifically talking about Um, If there's a conflicting provision about how they elect state senators or state representatives, uh, that those kinds of things could be set aside in the time of an enemy attack, just to make sure that the continuation of of government can go on. But, of course, you could see how uh, talking about the words of setting aside the, the requirements of the Constitution might be stretched to proportions that it's never intended to do. Okay, so what about the word compromise? Is that in the Constitution? it's not in the Constitution. The word compromise is nowhere in the US, Michigan, or Florida constitutions. Um, And give me just one second here, I want to answer a question. Um, Looks like Oh, goodness. um, There are quite a few if I am skipping over. um, If I'm skipping over a question or comment, I apologize, but I see one that looks like it was posted um, here uh, on our right in our stream by Lori, who's uh, the Liberty freedom fighter in the background. That helps me. Um, Okay. So Donald on YouTube says, does the federal constitution get its authority from the state constitutions? No, absolutely not. The U S constitution is derived from the people directly from the people. It's not we, the people via you know, we the people of certain states or colonies uh, via our state constitutions, hereby, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, we the people of the United States, we the people created our constitution and our very form of government. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. So state constitutions, if there's any part of the state constitutions that violate the U.S. Constitution, then those state constitutional provisions are invalid. They're void on their face. You don't have to wait for a court or somebody in a robe to tell you that. It's just unconstitutional, period. The U.S. Constitution created that very form of government and that initial setup and structure for protecting our liberties. And the state constitutions have to follow and play within the the rules set out by the u.s constitution so no the u.s constitution does not get its authority from the state constitutions but the state constitutions can certainly limit the authority to the government and they can certainly bolster uh more of our god-given liberty protections um, even more so than the u.s constitution does What's important is that we can't pick and choose which parts of the US Constitution we're going to enforce, nor can we only choose to follow the Constitution when it's convenient. But what about COVID or all of these other emergency type situations? What about the areas where it's really just, it doesn't feel safe? There's school shootings or there's all kinds of things that happen And doesn't the government need to put more rules in place? Shouldn't there be a law that says fill in the blank? Well, we don't follow the constitution when it's convenient for us. Whether you agree or disagree with the constitution is irrelevant. I don't care if you're my friend, my neighbor, my pastor, uh, another attorney. I don't care if you agree with something in the constitution, we took an oath to uphold the U S constitution above all else. And then also, if you're say a voter in the state of Florida or a public official in any state, you took an oath to also support and defend your state constitutions. But again, only so far as they are constitutional in nature. So if a state constitution has something in it that violates the U S constitution, that part of the state constitution is void period. We need to remember, like I said, we get our rights from God, not the government. Our rights are to be exercised, unabridged, uninfringed, unviolated, undenied, undeprived, unabused, and unusurped. So at the very least, this means that I get to utilize my God-given liberties without first seeking permission from any government entity. It is only if in the exercise of my rights that I begin impeding upon the exercise of your rights that the government may step in. That's where their power or authority would come into play. But we need to remember when thinking about the government's power or authority that their main purpose and responsibility is to protect our God-given liberties. I don't care if you tell me, well, there's separation of church and state or I don't believe in God. I don't care what you believe. What matters is that Let's back up. We get our rights from God, not the government. That is recognized in the U.S. Constitution preamble, in the Michigan and Florida State Constitution's preamble, in the Declaration of Independence, in the U.S. Constitution Ninth Amendment, in Michigan Constitution Article 1, Section 23, in the Florida State Constitution Article 1, Section 1 and Section 2. So, let's go back. Remember, the words separation of church and state are nowhere in the Constitution. Read the Constitution for itself. Government has no rights. Let's remember that as well. Government has no rights, and we the people created our Constitution and our very form of government, and government only has the powers that we specifically delegate to it. Again, all the citations that go along with everything I'm saying here are included in this slideshow. So if you're listening on podcasts later or uh, just, you know, have your earbuds in at work to listen to this, but you can't watch the, the screen while we're live now, just keep that in mind that you'll have access to all of these. If something I've said here today sticks in your craw that you you feel like something is that really true? Is that right? double check me. I don't want to just say stuff and have you go, oh, yes. Oh, Catherine. Oh, the mighty Catherine. She's so smart. Obviously she has it right. No, double check everything that I have said to you. That's why I take painstaking efforts and hours preparing for these videos and these episodes so that every video I've ever given, every speech I've ever given, I have given you the citations so you can look things up for yourself. Because Is it the government that should control everything? No, it's we, the people. It's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We, the people designed it that way. It's not a government of attorneys or judges. No, it's we, the people, and we have a representative form of government. We have a republic guaranteed to us by Article 4, Section 4 of the US Constitution. And that means that we, the people, retain the ultimate control and authority, and we only have representatives representing us on the day-to-day functions of government. That doesn't mean they replace us and that they now have all the authority. No, we retain the authority. They're our assistants. That's what their job is. They're like the secretary or the assistant that's running around doing the day-to-day tasks. That's what their job is. That's all that their job is. But we've allowed them to morph into some other entity that's just like all being, it's all powerful, it could do whatever it wants. And we have to ask permission before we do anything in our lives, with our property, with our bodies, whatever we want. If we don't wanna have to wear a mask, if we can't medically do that, if we've been vaccine injured and and can't go through that again, whatever the situation is, if we just simply wanna exercise God-given liberties, We have allowed ourselves to be brainwashed into thinking, well, I need to first check what constitutional provision says it's okay that I do this. Um, what statute or what state law or what federal law says that I'm allowed to do X, Y, Z. Absolutely not. You do what you need to do in your life. You enjoy your God-given liberties. That is the freedom that God gave you, not the government. Now, if you're going to exercise those liberties in a way that is infringing upon somebody else's rights, that you can't do that is where the government's allowed to step in but if you're on your own property or in your own home or doing your own thing and you're not harming somebody else you don't need permission from the government first they don't have the authority to do that again the u.s constitution is the supreme law of the land any part of a state constitution that is repugnant to the u.s constitution is void any court order any opinion even if it's the united states supreme court even if they issued an an order or an opinion yesterday and it said you have to do xyz if that order violates the u.s constitution i don't care how they try to justify it like the courts never get things wrong what about separate but equal that was the thing That the U.S. Supreme Court said was okay for quite a while. What about the supposed abortion right that the U.S. Supreme Court allowed to stand for, what was it? I can't even do the math, 50 years. That's insane. Those words are not in the Constitution. The justices get it wrong. Why? Because they're humans. And unfortunately, they were first attorneys. And what do attorneys do by and large? talk about the case law air quotes for those of you listening only case law is not a thing case precedent can help guide decisions and how things should come out but law law is made by the legislative branch the legislative branch only whether you're talking about your state your local or the federal government judges and justices they don't get to make the laws so case law doesn't mean anything. What the actual constitution says, that's what means something. And that's where they've all gotten it wrong. Even in the good, air quotes again, decisions that were handed down by the US Supreme Court last year, there were some good ones that came out about religious freedom, medical freedom, second amendment rights, all kinds of topics. But none of them really hit the nail on the head and just said point blank, You can't do this. This is an area you can't regulate government. No, they hemmed and hawed and they beat around the bush and they said, well, there's this and then there's that. And no, no, just get to the point, make it a short opinion and just say, this is unconstitutional because the clear words of the US constitution require this. All right, so Again, that legal hierarchy for anybody who's wondering about the source of authority or what things are more important, the U.S. Constitution is top dog here. Then constitutionally enacted federal laws. Then the state constitutional provisions that don't violate the U.S. Constitution. Then constitutionally enacted state laws. Then you have your municipal charters, your county or your city um, oftentimes will have a charter which is essentially a constitution, but for the local government. Then your constitutionally enacted ordinances, which are local laws, those would then also be in that hierarchy. So what is the most important thing to remember when you're talking about powers of government officials or government entities? Well, all government officials are required to take the oath of office to support and defend the U.S and state constitutions if they're in a state or local position. It's not optional, it's their number one duty. And I guess I didn't realize that I left it in here, but I left the video of my speech in here from um, just this month when I spoke to my legislative delegation and talked to them about what the oath is and what it is not. And those materials are, I'll just leave the video in so you guys can have access to it again through this week's slideshow. Um, And the materials that I submitted with that, if you click actually on the video and it brings you to the actual video hosted on the the YouTube version, um, you'll be able to get the link to the materials right in the description of that YouTube uh, video. Otherwise, you can go to my website because it's there as well. And Lori might be able to grab it and throw it in the description right now as well. All right, so, okay, there's some good stuff. Um, So I thought maybe I was done, but I was like, no, there's other stuff I needed to say. So what does this all mean? The government cannot act unless they can point to a specific power granted to them by the constitution. State, local, federal government, they can't just do whatever they want. They can only do something if we have given them the specific power to do that and government is prohibited from doing anything that violates the state or federal constitutions. And again, every government official is sworn to that oath of office. What about the Supreme Court though? How have they viewed emergencies before or the granting of government power or is there a time when we need to compromise and give the government more power? One of the best worded provisions of a a court opinion that I've seen on this topic, it's from nearly a hundred years ago. The court understood in 1934 in this case, Home Building uh, versus Blaisdell. Again, this is um, available in the slideshow for those of you who are just listening and can't see the screen. You'll be able to have full access to all this later. Emergent, This is the this is the words of the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, emergency does not create power. Emergency does not increase granted power or remove or diminish the restrictions placed upon power granted or reserved. The Constitution was adopted in in a period of grave emergency. Its grants of power to the federal government and its limitations of the power of the states were determined in light of emergency. And they are not altered by emergency. I think that says it pretty dang clear. Emergency doesn't change anything. And if an emergency is not going to change whether you have more power all of a sudden as a government official or not, then clearly there's no other case that's not emergent that would somehow give you more power. You're limited. All right. If you think everything I have said sounds too good to be true, I'm gonna ask you, read the Constitution for yourself, the US Constitution, read every single word of it. Then read your state Constitution for yourself, every single word of it. When you're done with that, read them again, please, and again. Is it really dry reading? Yeah, yeah. Is it a lot of pages? Yeah, it can be. But even if you read, like, you know how you can read the Bible? The Bible is huge. But you can do it on a, you know, read the Bible every day for in a whole year plans or whatever. You can do that with your state and, and U.S. constitutions. Just read one article every day or one section every day. But read it for yourself. Don't listen to some other person, an attorney, a judge, a podcaster, an influencer, a government official. Don't let them tell you what it says. Read it for yourself. You'll understand exactly why I'm so passionate about these things because it's clear, it's crystal clear in there. So another way to look at it, like I've mentioned in the last couple of episodes is why would you want to be willing to stay oppressed and dominated by people that don't have lawful authority to do the things they're trying to do, to have that extra power to compromise. You know, what do you say to your state rep or Senator when you have a bill, that you see is introduced, you know, maybe like House Bill uh, 543 in the state of Florida, for example, unconstitutional carry. And it's introduced by a Republican and it's touted by the NRA as this fabulous gun protecting constitution carry bill. There's nothing constitutional about that bill. It is 63 pages long, 63, yes, 63 pages long and it could do so much more and so much fewer words. The more words you need to have in a law, that means you're making it unnecessarily complicated, which usually means you're just getting it flat wrong. The easiest way is to flat out say any law any requirement by the government, any permitting, any fees, anything like that, that attempts to restrict somebody's ability to exercise their rights under the Second Amendment is illegal. And if any kind of government official or even private person tries to violate those rights already guaranteed in the U.S. and state constitutions, then that government official can be criminally and civilly prosecuted. That's what it should say. That's as simple as it really needs to be. So do you really want to be willing to give up your God given liberties for the sake of compromise? Because it's easier this legislative session because the Republicans or the Democrats or the rhinos or whoever is in control. Do you want to just go along to get along? What kind of future are you going to leave your children and your grandchildren if you're willing to compromise on all these, just to get back just a few of the rights. Cause th- that's better than none. No, the constitution already protects and guarantees all those God-given liberties and it specifically restricts and grants only certain powers to government officials, state, local, or federal. That's already done. It's already law. We don't need laws that simply sugarcoat the crap that they have and all these other statutes and just takes the edge off of them. No, all of those need to be repealed. Is it gonna lead to utter chaos? No, because we don't need the government dictating every single aspect of our lives. So Michigan statute 333.2253 and 222453, Florida statute 381.00315, there might've been another zero in there. Those just need to be repealed. Every other statute. what about in here? in this supposed constitution carry bill? <clears throat> there it leaves in there. the section that, this is I'm gonna read it to you so you know verbatim what we're talking about, and I do plan on doing another short video um just specifically about this, but um. I wanted to point this out to you just to give you that example of what we're talking about. Um, okay, so open carrying of weapons. This is Florida Statute 790.053. This is what the Republicans and the NRA are fighting supposedly so hard to get to secure our constitutional carry rights, except as otherwise provided by law, it is unlawful for any person to openly carry on or about his or her person any firearm or electric weapon or device. Wow. It's still supposedly illegal to open carry in the supposed constitutional carry bill. Hmm. And let's see, what did I see? Somewhere in here that it's um it's punishable as a felony if you are carrying. I can't see it right now. Can't see it, um, but it's somewhere in there. It's a 63-page bill. Go ahead and print off House Bill 543, just filed yesterday in the state of Florida. There's supposedly going to be a committee hearing in Tallahassee next week on uh, February 7th from, I think, think it might be four to 6pm. Make sure to go to that. In fact, that might be our entire show next week. I might just go live from the committee hearing. We got to make sure that we get enough information about it, details where it is. And keep in mind, that is a four hour trip for me one way. So it'll be eight hours of driving that day. Um, But that's probably what next week's show is going to be all about. But before I get ahead of myself, so last week the true or false question was constitutionally protected God-given liberties can never be compromised in state or local legislation. Never. The answer was true. Absolutely true. While compromise may be good for many topics in legislation, there must be no compromise on bills to defend our God-given liberties. These rights are to be exercised, unabridged, uninfringed, unviolated, undenied, undeprived, unabused, and unusurped. And all legislators took an oath to defend the Constitution and those God-given rights protected therein. So what about this week's true or false? When there's an unknown threat, the government must be given additional powers to address the emergency. I didn't answer that one point blank for you because I'm hoping by now you guys know what that answer really is. Make sure if you want more information on this that you check back tomorrow for our posts on all of our social media platforms, Truth Social, Twitter, Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. I don't remember if there's any other ones. Um, uh, Pinterest, Instagram. That you check back tomorrow on any one of those platforms to see what our Wednesday Way to Get Involved challenge will be. That you check back again on Thursday when we're gonna have that 10 minute or less video recapping all that we've talked about today, as well as providing you the link to this very slideshow we shared with you today. And of course, we'll share with you the freedom fighting tools on Friday. On Saturday, we also share with you the Restore Freedom Goodie of the Week that we sell to you at cost if it's an item or if it's uh, focused on a certain donation, such as keeping this Restore Freedom Weekly uh, podcast going, for example, um, then uh, that we feature one of those items or things each week, and we encourage you to uh, take us up on that. I mean, shoot, these pop sockets alone are awesome. I use mine every day, and it tells people everywhere I go: more freedom, less government, restore freedom. I mean, how could it get much better than that? And we just sell it to you at cost. I want to say with postal fees going up, it's now like eleven dollars for us to, um, you know, like they were seven bucks maybe, and then it costs us eleven, you know, another another four dollars to mail it. So it's eleven dollars from to send it to you. It's it's cheaper than what you can buy a pop socket in the store. And yes, these are official, actual brand pop socket pop sockets. Anyway, please check all those things out. Um, and I am going to have. Um, let's see. We'll bring Lori back in. Maybe. Nope. I hit the wrong buttons. Give me a second,
0: guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, Lori, were there any comments I missed?
0: There was one. I was, you were on a roll and it was a little bit different. They were talking about also on uh, YouTube was talking about eminent domain and, um, his experiences is is that they're using eminent domain to turn around and give it to where did it go to eminent domain for development so they're giving property to development developers i'm trying to find his wording because it's better i mean that's their excuse
1: yeah there's a lot of things that um government is doing but there's in terms of eminent domain you know it's a hard one because in general the concept can make sense we can't survive as a community as a state as a country if we don't have proper infrastructure if we can't get around from point a to point b inside of our own country then certainly we're not going to be able to move goods and services the way that we need to um, or people, goods, and services the way that we need to in order to provide for a common national defense, to be able to um, just feed the public or, you know, provide much needed medical supplies or things like that. So you have to be able to have, you know, the interstate system and U.S. highways and, um, dare I say, you know, internet and other um, ways of of communicating and or transporting goods, services, or people and so eminent domain is useful if the government simply has no other options to easiest example if there needs to be an interstate or the interstate needs to become larger because it's now has too much you know too much traffic could you imagine if interstates going in and out of Atlanta Georgia or Chicago Illinois or Orlando Florida were two lane roads I mean, we would be saying, "Uh, no, you guys need to fix this because you would never get through. In fact, uh, I might be going to the other side of Orlando yet this afternoon to talk to a state senator about these uh, supposedly constitutional carry bills. And uh, I'm really not looking forward to driving through Orlando, but I am grateful for the fact that that interstate has expanded greatly since I grew up here. I used to, even when I graduated from high school, and I uh, was living in um, I was living in Orlando at that time during the summer uh, between high school and college with my mom, and I was driving north uh, to the Maitland-Longwood area on I-4 every day for a job that I had that summer, and even then, traffic was a nightmare, and it's exponentially worse now, but they have updated the freeway significantly and offered more lanes. I mean it's it's pretty scary actually. Like I, I white knuckle it sometimes driving around there because there's just so much and you could miss a sign or miss your turn or whatever. So at any rate, when it comes to eminent domain, there can be beneficial uses if the government can can provide for common, you know, transportation, for example, uh for the people in no other way, but to just sell, you know, acquire land from people on un, unwittingly and, and then turn it around and, and give it to developers, uh, shopping malls or apartment, whatever. No, that's not no, that's not okay. So at any rate, um, just another example of how uh, the government has abused and far surpassed its lawful and constitutional authority, um, for sure. So, um. Okay, so um, Lori, I am just seeing that you commented that you've been bo- booted from the streaming software, but I'm like, I see you right there. Started-
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it wasn't letting me back in for a little bit, and then it finally did. So I just wanted if, if you caught that I was out, that you would understand I was still around. The it wasn't up- an internet thing. It just crashed me completely.
1: Um, the Deland City Council will hear that on Monday. Uh, I want to know what that is.
0: That that was a, uh, when you were talking about your video and your speech, I believe.
1: Yeah, but what what are they going to be hearing? Your oh oh oh! Somebody's going to play my speech.
0: I'm not sure if your speech or if they're going to read it.
1: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that,
0: That's how I interpreted it.
1: Better, there yet, there. better yet, better uh, yet, if you, I don't know what day or time it is, but there's a good possibility that if, especially if you're in my county, which DeLand is, if you want me to go to the city council and remind them of their constitutional oath of office and what it is and what it's not, I can certainly go and speak. Um, I mean, shoot. I'll tell any government official anywhere, anytime, anything about the Constitution. As long as I'm conscious and breathing and don't have too much brain fog, I will be able to do that. So please take me up on that. Absolutely. Um, And unfortunately, we also have uh, comments here about small towns are the worst. The good old boy network here is centuries old. Yes, I have definitely encountered that in every scenario. If you think there's a good old boy network, I guarantee you haven't seen the real good old boy network until you've been a new, uh, brand new, shiny, um, young attorney woman who's new to an area and doesn't know anybody. Man, that good old boy network slams you in the face the second you join in that that area and that community and uh, lets you know how unwelcome... You may be, but uh, guess what? I don't care because I don't need to be part of their little network. I'm just going to hold them all accountable and do my best no matter where I'm at in any season of life. And that's what I'm hoping I'm empowering each and every one of you guys to do as well. So, um, all right. Okay. Well, uh, looks like our friend in Deland is saying that they're going to read my speech or my at least the part that I... Uh, put in writing about the um, Oath of Office. That's awesome. You are more than welcome to use that and read it, any of you. Um, But like I said, for those of you who are anywhere that I can reasonably get to and travel to, I would be more than happy to tell them that myself. And then you can have your three minutes to, or whatever it ends up being, to um, talk about whatever other underlying issue it is that you want them to remember their Oath of Office for. Um, So anyway, just to keep that in mind that I want to be a resource about the Constitution for all of you. All right. So with that being said, um, Laurie, was there anything else we didn't cover? Any questions, comments, concerns? Uh,
0: Just the Democrat reps and senators in Michigan do not let us talk to their staff with our concerns. That doesn't specifically cover what we were talking about
1: okay i'm just trying to i didn't i didn't realize that there's a lot of stuff scrolling through here so at any rate um i appreciate all of you for joining us today um hopefully we were able to address all the comments questions concerns that you guys shared with us in the live stream today if you have any additional questions please also make sure to you know you can reach out to us but um take a look at our website that is it's getting to be the one-stop shop now um hopefully really soon you'll be able to search in the search bar on our website and any page of our website and not only pull up all the stuff that we've posted the last few years but also um even all the videos that we've shared on youtube and rumble and whatnot some of them are on there but uh hopefully soon you'll now uh you'll be able to type in and and get results for um, all the videos as well on any given topic Um, And I'm still in the midst of trying to upload a whole lot of PDFs right to the website there because, unfortunately, Google Drive has started acting funny and uh, many of the links that I have shared with you in the last two years are now defunct. I don't don't know. The documents are still there, but um, you can't access them because they don't want to play nice. So at any rate, bear with me because I do all this out of pocket and on my own time and, and no one's paying me to do any of this. Speaking of which, if you want to keep all these resources in your hands and in the hands of all your friends, family, uh, congregation, coworkers, whatever, please consider donating to this cause. Uh, you can donate on our website, restorefreedomkh.com donate. You can see all the different ways, all the different methods, uh, all the different, if you want to donate to a specific thing like our weekly newsletter or uh, this week's podcast or our Constitution Segment Recap videos or anything like that, you can break your donations down specifically if you'd like to do that. In fact, you can even make it a sponsorship. uh, If you want to sponsor the show for a month, then you get your company or your organization mentioned and the link shared and yada, yada. So we want to make this a, a joint freedom fighting effort. So please help and please consider supporting us uh, because it's it out of pocket is no less than 10 grand to keep this going for a year with all that we're doing with filing fees and in court with briefs and everything else, no less than $10,000. So please help us to kick off this year and really bring in those funds. Um, overall, it's not a ton, but I need your help to be able to keep doing this work. So um, again, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you with our posts and other videos this week. And remember, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, no matter what. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day.